Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Brett Favre is right some people are unhappy that he is saying what he is saying, but you know what? I, I applaud him for being willing to stand up and take on the heat from those politically correct and perpetually offended people out there who just don't understand the value of what he is saying. So Brett Favre, former Green Bay Packer, goes on uh, an interview show, the Andrew Clavin Show on the Daily Wire, whatever that is, the other day, and you know he he starts talking about the state of sports nowadays. Now, this is in the context of the Major League Baseball in a knee-jerk reaction deciding that they are going to pull the Major League Baseball All-Star game from predominantly black Atlanta to overwhelmingly white Denver, thereby depriving the the black community in Atlanta of millions and millions of dollars in revenue. They do it because, well, the Major League Baseball commissioner is upset that Georgia has passed a, a new law which he believes restricts voting rights. And despite the fact that the law that was passed is much less restrictive than the laws regarding voting in, oh, let's say New York, where the commissioner lives, or Delaware, where Joe Biden is from, or in some respects, even less restrictive than Colorado, where they're moving the game. But this is the knee-jerk reaction here. We want to appease those folks who are saying this is terrible, so we're, we're going to end up moving it. Right, so Brett Favre is asked what he thinks about this, and Brett Favre says the following. I know when I turn on a game, I want to watch a game. I want to watch players play and teams win, lose, come from behind. I want to watch all the important parts of the game, not what's going on outside the game. And I think the general fan feels the same way. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I don't watch anymore. It's not about the game anymore. And I tend to agree. Now, this, again, is in the wake of baseball pulling the All-Star game. It's in the wake of players kneeling during the national anthem, which we have talked about before. But Brett Favre says, look, it's it's a shame that we've come to this. Something has to unify us. And, for example, I, I felt that standing for the flag, I thought that that was one of the things that, that did that. All right. Um, and he goes on to talk about how, you know, as an ex-athlete, you know, he has he has endorsed politicians. He endorsed Trump's reelection in 2020. He did an ad at one point in time since he was retired, did an ad at one point in time for a Republican senator from Mississippi who was running for reelection. But, you know, Favre says, look, there's a difference between outside the lines. There's a difference between a player or an ex-player standing up and saying, hey, I support this issue or whatever, and then trying to use the game to force social change or to force at least some people's opinions on others. Let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Predictably, Favre is being absolutely ripped for, for doing this. How dare he say things like that? You know, don't what a hypocrite. You know, he he's endorsed political candidates. And Favre's point is, look, I, I just think the average fan, when it comes to the games itself, they just they, they want to watch the games. They, they want to be able to go to the games. They don't want to see the levers of sports, the games themselves, 
you know, used to make political statements. Is he wrong? 855-616-1620. That's the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And my answer is no. I think he's saying what the majority of us but believe. You know, nobody is saying to an athlete that you can't have a position. Nobody is saying to an athlete that on your own time, if you want to march or demonstrate or do a, an, or give money to a particular cause or endorse candidates, that you, you have the right to do it. But within the context of the game or using the, the mechanisms of the sport, whether it's basketball or baseball or football or whatever, to try to again, influence politics or make comments on political decisions, his point is that's not what sports are all about. And it turns off more people than it turns on. I think he's right. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And to show you the, the viciousness, I'm, I'm looking at some of the stories attacking Brett Favre, and, and it's not just, well, how dare he say the, these things? How dare he suggest that you know politics should be separate from sports, at, at least within the context of the game? And, and that's what he's saying. It's like, well, and, and look at Brett Favre. I'm looking at one story. Don't you realize that this guy was a philanderer? And you know, and, and remember when he was married, he, he sent those inappropriate... Um, pictures to some team, team employer, whatever. It's kind of like the, this viciousness that we, we can't just disagree with Brett Favre. We have to destroy Brett Favre. How dare he suggest that, I don't know, you know, maybe maybe sports should be separate from politics, at least as far as the games are going. And I, again, I he, he freely admits he endorsed Trump. Nobody is saying that, you know, on their own time, on their own dime, athletes, athletes want to give money or athletes want to do interviews or athletes want to do commercials. That, that's the right. But he's saying, OK, let's let's try to separate that from the game itself. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, listening to you every day on the AM radio, I totally agree with um, Favre's comments. It's the complainers that aren't looking closely enough at it. Um, Jeff, the old gunslinger is dead on. Sports are no longer fun to watch anymore. And I love football, but I never watched one game this year as well as the Bucks and the Brewers and the Packers and the Brewers. Play the game, leave the politics and the social justice out of them. And by and again, I, I always put in this asterisk with that saying I, I'm not saying athletes don't have the right to express their opinions. Of course they do. Brett Favre has the right to endorse whoever he wants to endorse. LeBron James has the right to endorse whoever he wants to endorse. But do you have to make it part of the game? And do you have to use, for example, the business of Major League Baseball in an effort to try to, well, condemn? We, we don't like this particular law, and so we're going to move it to Colorado, even though apparently we don't really even understand what was going on in the Georgia law. And, oh, by the way, Rob Manfred, who is the commissioner of baseball that decided to do this, he still belongs to Augusta Country Club. Where is Augusta Country Club? Well, it's in Georgia. He's not going to be doing anything about that because he wants to be able to take people to go see the Masters or play at Augusta. 855-616-1620, Gianni and Montello. Good afternoon. Hey, uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, uh, I, the, the idea of moving um, the All-Star game out of uh, at, at, at Atlanta is, is absolutely ridiculous. And, and they ought to revisit the whole equation. But, you know, as far as sports and politics, I don't really care um, whether um, the, my favorite players take a knee or they don't take a knee or they come out and say the pledge or they don't. 
Um, but but it seems that politics is 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 part of the American psyche, and it's it's drifted into sports now. And by by the way, if if Far believes that um, politics should be out of sports, then why, why not just why not just uh, keep his own counsel and not endorse anybody? You well, what, what difference? Well, I mean, no, but isn't there a difference between a, a person saying, "Hey, I, I'm Brett Favre, I'm Jeff Wagner, I'm Gianni, and I." I support this candidate, and if you've got a profile, you, you, you can do that. Isn't there a difference between that and then saying, hey, the I'm involved in sports, and I want to see my sports leagues, or I want to see us collectively, my teammates, use within the context of the game, we, we want to use that to try to advance a political cause. Isn't there a difference? Well, I don't think the team entirely um is advancing a, a political cause. I mean, you have players that decide to take a knee and others that don't. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's kind of an across-the-board thing. I, I don't think that uh, you have Kaepernick that, you know, is obviously very opinionated in an area, but he, he doesn't represent uh, – he played for the 49ers, didn't he? Back in the day, yep, when he played, yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I, not every – I don't think management, uh, you know uh, – Expressed his opinion or held his opinion, nor did many of his players. But well, no, but but again, to... but but what's no, Gianni? Thanks, but what, what's happened is whether it's okay, we're we're not going to come out for the national anthem, or we don't like this particular law, so we're going to move the the all star game. All those different things that that is that is bringing politics into the context of of the game. It's not like hey, you're you're it's your off day on Monday, and if you decide you want to participate in a, a social justice march, well, go with God, go go do that. But it's another thing saying okay, I have been given this 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 ability. I am now at work, and and that's that's. That's what you are. You're at work when you're on that football field or, or beforehand. You are at work and you're deciding, OK, we're going to do this or your workplace, the area of sports, deciding that we're going to now interject into the, the area of politics. And I think Favre is saying, look, they, they can do it. But Favre is saying, I wish they wouldn't because it's turning off a lot more people than it turns on. Jeff, I will not watch the All-Star game if they took it from Georgia to Colorado, which is completely idiotic. As you mentioned, Colorado has stricter voting laws than Georgia does. Well, in some respect, it does. Jeff, sports has become like the Oscars. Um, stick to, you know, the profession. Jeff, go Brett Favre. I can't even stand the sight of an NBA jersey in the store because of all the political grandstanding. Major League Baseball taking the stance is speaking for all baseball, and I'll bet there's a lot of players who don't appreciate it. It's not the same at all as an individual backing a candidate as a citizen. Yeah, see, I just think that there's a, a huge difference um, between that. Jeff, the move by Major League Baseball proves they know nothing about voting rights for politics because of the fact that Colorado has stricter voting laws than Georgia. Major League Baseball should stay out of something that they know absolutely nothing about. Um, Jeff, why can't people disagree without the venom? Um, this is the progressive intolerance that scares me. And, and then, like I say, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of these stories, and, and it's not just we disagree with Brett Favre. It's that Brett Favre is a hypocrite because he endorsed Donald Trump, even though I think there's a clear distinction by what he's saying. But then it's like, okay, and by the way, do you know Brett Favre is an awful human being? Don't you remember when he did this or that or, or the other thing? So it's not just we, we can't even just disagree with Brett Favre. We have to try to destroy Brett Favre. He's not, his opinion isn't worthwhile because he's, he's 
awful. Um, Jeff, it would be totally different if LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick took the same stance with China, but the only country they seem to have a problem with is the one um, that they live in. You know, there there is this ultimate irony that, that is out there, and, and I, I brought that up the other day. It's interesting to me that the NBA and Major League Baseball, in those cases, where, where are they trying to make inroads? They're trying to make inroads in Cuba. They've got huge deals with China. Well, you don't have to worry about, gee, they're, they're upset with the Georgia voting law that says that somebody wearing a, an NRA T-shirt or somebody wearing a union T-shirt can't go up and give free stuff to somebody that's standing in line to vote. Well, you know, it would be interesting to ask all these NBA players or to ask the commissioner of baseball, huh, well, okay, you're, but yet you're doing, you want to do business with Cuba or you want to do business with communist China. Well, I guess we don't have to worry about people giving free stuff to people standing in line to vote because nobody's voting in Cuba. Nobody's voting in communist China. The hypocrisy of this is just absolutely staggering. The hypocrisy of many of the players who are, in the case of basketball, making a fortune because of dealings with, again, say, communist China, where people don't have any voting rights at all it's just um just almost mind-boggling jeff i don't like the hypocrisy in sports it baffles me that hollywood and sports teams are making such a big deal about voter change in georgia but nobody was talking about you know how actions for example in virginia purposely made it more difficult to for republicans to vote again this is the problem when you have these organized um you know, entities that operate. Um, Jeff, Brett Favre may be right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. In the end, fans will go to high school games, fill college football arenas, and pack professional sports venues. The rest of it is just window dressing. Hmm. So in other words, he's saying uh, that, that people, people, the, the political involvement isn't turning people off. And I, see, I disagree with that. Now, look, I, I have acknowledged this before. While I have thoughts on the whole concept of, you know, the athletes within the context of the game using the games that the rest of us pay money to watch or to listen to or to see or to buy jerseys, using the, within the context of the game, using that as a way to try to bring about social change, uh, I, I still watch. I mean, do it, will, I, will I not go to the Brewers games? No, I'm going to go to the Brewers games. Did I watch the Packers games this year? Of course I watched the Packers games. I, I'm a fan in that regard. But I do think among particularly among the casual fans, I think there has been a drop-off in interest, and I think that there's somewhat of a backlash, and I think that's what kind of Favre is talking about. And I think Favre is representing the opinion that a lot of people have that is unpopular, not supposed to express this nowadays, but he's saying, you know, people turn to sports as a release. You know, there, there's so much other stuff that's going on. You you turn on the radio. You, you know, log, log on to the news sites. You turn on the television. However you get your information, and you're bombarded by all these different uh, approaches. Okay, we've got the riot. We've got riots going on in Minnesota. We've got this thing happening. We've got that thing happening. You, you're bombarded by the politics and all the other stuff that's going on. I think people people turn to sports as as a release. 
And I, I think that that's a reasonable thing. If you start integrating politics into all this on a regular basis, you're, you're going to see that some people are just flat out going to be turned off, particularly the, the casual fan, not the person that's invested in that, that loves baseball, not that hardcore sports fan. They might grumble, but they're still going to watch the games. But other people are going to be turned off, period. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Everyone 16 and older is now eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine shot. Do you have questions about the vaccine, getting back to work, or opening schools? Well, if so, please join John McCure on Tuesday, April 27th, for a special WTMJ roundtable, VaxFax2. John will be joined by Dr. Ben Weston, a leading health official in Milwaukee County, to help answer your questions about the vaccine. Want to hear your question on the air? Well, give us a call. Now, this is a different number. This is a number just for this. 414-203-8105. That's 414-203-8105. And don't forget to join us at 4 o'clock on Tuesday, April 27th, for a special WTMJ roundtable, VaxFax 2.0, on News Radio WTMJ, sponsored by Dave Dracamp Heating. All right, somebody uh, reached out to me this morning. The the Derek Chevron trial is is winding down. Prosecution took them several weeks to present their case. The defense started earlier this week, and they're they're wrapping up today. Somebody reached out to me today and said, "Hey, are are you surprised that uh, Derek Chevron isn't testifying?" And my response was, "There are many things in this world that that I find to be surprising. The fact that this particular defendant made the decision not to prosecute." is simply not one of them. There, I, I know that there were some talking heads that were suggesting maybe he was going to get on the witness stand. Just let me tell you, he was never, ever, ever getting on the witness stand because if you get on the witness stand, you subject yourself to cross-examination. And in this case, well, I, I think the prosecutors are pretty good, but you wouldn't need to be a very good prosecutor to really to, to really undermine this entire claim. I, I mean, what he's going to argue is that there's a, a case of reasonable doubt. There's a question of reasonable doubt. They might try to argue that rather than the second-degree murder charge, something less significant is appropriate, maybe try to get, a, again, one of the lesser-included charges. But I'm here to tell you, there's no way this guy was going to get on the witness stand because his conduct, indefensible, absolutely indefensible, and it would have been a disaster had he gotten on the witness stand. Now, one of the interesting things is going to be what happens to the other police officers who were on the scene in the case of Derek Chevron. I think this has been pretty much a, a three or four week. It's been a slow guilty plea. I think inevitably he's going to be convicted. The other officers, if they decide to go to trial, that's kind of a different dynamic. And, of course, you have the other shooting by a police officer within 10 miles. Now there's charges in that case. And that's where we pick up the conversation in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. The tragedy and it was a tragedy happening in the minneapolis suburb last sunday afternoon where you had the police officer with 25 26 years of experience who unintentionally shot and killed the young 
black man, the 20-year-old. That, of course, ha- has brought out, in some respects, the, the, the very worst of what's going on in, in society nowadays. Um, after the shooting, you had nights of rioting and unrest in Minneapolis. And again, I understand the mainstream media is, is uncomfortable calling rioting rioting. But when you have people breaking into a Walmart store and stealing every big screen TV, that, that's that's not social justice protest. That's that's looting. That is opportunism in the extreme. When you have people breaking into Foot Locker stores and, and stealing all the shoes they can carry, okay, that that's not social justice protesting. That's seeing an opportunity to try to enrich yourself. And it goes on and on. When you break into a wing stop, a restaurant, and you steal the cash register and any money that you can find, again, you're not protesting social justice stuff. You're you're stealing. You're trying to enrich yourself. And so, unfortunately, you know, we, there is this knee-jerk reaction, and it brings out some of some of the worst that's there. It also brings out people who are expressing outrage before they really know all the facts. Similarly, you have some people who will do nothing but pander. And, you know, what what happened was awful, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute. But, you know, immediately you have the, this rush. You, you have the crazies. You have the, the kooks, the kook left in particular, who's saying, okay, well, this is why we need to defund the police. That this is you, you had the, the accidental, unintentional shooting of a twenty-year-old. That this is why we we don't need police. This is why we don't, don't need police. Which is interesting because on any given night in any urban area or most urban areas in in this country, you know, you will find people who are victims of homicide, and oftentimes it will be young black men who are shot by other black men. And it's interesting to me that a lot of these politicians who are calling for, we've got to defund the police, and this is terrible, they, they say nothing about the, the what goes on, the violence that are, goes on, on our, in our communities on a, on a daily sort of basis. But you have a, where there are intentional shootings. But then you have a situation like this where it is clearly an unintentional act. It's a mistake not justifying it, not saying that doesn't have to be accountability, but this was an accidental situation by all accounts. And you have some of these politicians who are just outraged about this. But again, when you would say, all right, well, did, did you look at how many people were killed on the mean streets in Milwaukee in the last four days? And, and, and where are the protests about that? It, it's just, it's nothing but crickets. And unfortunately, you have some like high profile politicians who decide we're going to use this horrible thing and this is going to be our opportunity. We're, we're going to like seize on this and we're going to be opportunists and we're going to be talking about crazy things. And I'm sorry, defunding the police and things of the like, that, that's just crazy. And using this as a way to fan the flames of racial unrest in this country as a way of trying to advance your agenda, that is nothing short of shameful. But all right, let's talk about the situation and let's talk about what happened. Because this afternoon, there will, uh, Kim Potter, that's the police officer that was involved, she will be making her first appearance in court. She has been charged with, uh, she will be charged with what they call second degree manslaughter. In Michigan, it, it's like involuntary manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. And the difference in, in levels of, of murder essentially is intent. 
Um, for for it to be murder, first, second, I think they've got a third degree murder in in Minnesota as well. It's different degrees of intent. Did you did you plan this out? You know, was it spontaneous? But did you intend to take another life? Right. That's that's in a nutshell what murder is. There's two types of manslaughter charges. One is voluntary manslaughter. And voluntary manslaughter, first degree, is what's called, essentially, it's crime of passion. You come home, you find your spouse in bed with somebody else, you fly into a rage, you grab the gun, you you shoot and kill one or both of them. It's that crime of passion. That's that's voluntary manslaughter, first-degree manslaughter. It carries a maximum penalty of 15 years in prison. The second-degree manslaughter is known as involuntary manslaughter, and this is what they have charged the police officer with. Involuntary manslaughter is essentially, it's a killing. It is based on negligence as opposed to, gee, I intended to kill him. It is negligence. I did something. I killed somebody, but I did not intend to do that. For example, if you're if you're a hunter and you, you think you see something move and you think that it's a deer and you shoot and it turns out that it's a person, that would be um, involuntary manslaughter. I mean, you, you didn't you took the person's life, but you did not intend to, to do it. It was a mistake. It was negligence. And that's what they're charging her with, the idea that, yes, she took the life. Um, what she did was negligent. She had, you know, her story is that, you know, she had the gun. She thought it was a taser. But it wasn't that she intended to shoot to kill. She intended to tase the guy, and she had the gun in her hand. But nevertheless, you have somebody that's dead. In Minnesota, the maximum penalty for involuntary manslaughter is up to 10 years in prison. All right, let's tee this up. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It was clearly... A mistake. Now, I understand that there's some people out there that are peddling this idea that, no, this was really this this plot. And this 26-year-old, 26-year veteran of the police force really did in, intend to intend to kill this young black man. And this is all just a, a put-up job. Well, I mean, if you want to go down that route, I can't stop you from going down that route. But I, I don't think most reasonable people would agree with, with that. This was what it was. It was a mistake. It was negligence. She was wrong. So she's now been charged. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Should she have been charged? And what what is justice in a case like this? Is it 10 years in prison? Is it five years in prison? Is it no prison time at all? I think charges were appropriate. And I think if she is convicted, I think some prison time is appropriate, but not close to 10 years. And I understand some of you might disagree with me on that. Some will undoubtedly think that there shouldn't have been charges. Some will think that 10 years in prison is, is too too light. I, I think actually the answer is the charges are appropriate, but a, a sentence of anything close to 10 years, I don't think it's going to happen. All right, what do you think? 855-616-1620, we discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Jim in Illinois. Hi, Jim. Hi. Uh, this reminds me, if you remember a couple of years ago, when a woman police, the police woman went into, uh, from Dallas, went into an apartment of a black man, thinking it was her apartment, 
and he was an intruder and shot and killed him. Amber, Am- Amber Geiger, right? Amber Geiger. She yeah. got off on the wrong floor and apparently wasn't paying attention and thought she was going into her apartment and she was going into somebody else's apartment. Yep, she got convicted and ended up getting sentenced and doing. T- her sentence was ten years in prison, as I recall. Yep. This kind of reminds me of that situation. You know, they're claiming accident didn't mean it. Uh, negligence, obviously. I don't know how she could not know that was her apartment. But anyway, right. this reminds me of that. That's uh, right away I thought of that. No, I don't think. Well, I mean, it, it, now, it, I mean, again, it's a. Yeah, I mean, all, all these cases are different. In that case, she was she wasn't on the job. It, but but yeah, you're, you're right that that was a. And they actually went after her for a, a, a higher degree of murder. I think she was, I think she was convicted of something that could have carried up to life in prison because there, there was some degree of of intent. And the and the murder laws are different in all the different states. I don't remember exactly what she was charged with, but yeah, you're right. She she her story is she goes into what she thinks is her apartment. She finds this guy there. She shoots and kills him, and it turns out that she's in the wrong apartment. Now, in this particular case, there is a similarity. Again, the officer, Kim Potter, her, her story, and, and I think, again, you've got to resist the urge to, oh, this is just an example of white supremacy, and this was an execution. I mean, I think in this case, it, it was what it was. She made a very, very bad error, and it happens from time to time. And unfortunately, when police officers make errors, a lot of times you can have these very significant consequences. But, I mean, I guess I'm not going to be able to talk you out of it if you've bought into the idea that this was some sort of execution. But I don't think that's what this was. This was a mistake. Now, having said that, I still think you need to be accountable for this. Let's talk to um, Byron in West Dallas. Byron, good afternoon. Good, on, good, good afternoon, Jeff. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think that charges are appropriate, uh, and I think that she should be held accountable for what mistakes she made. But at the same time, I think that people have to realize that she was on duty, that he was resisting, and that she clearly said, taser, taser, taser. So the intent, I don't think, was there to murder this young man. Right, which uh, is why, right, I mean, I agree, which is, which is why they're looking at this, this manslaughter, which is, again, it's, you've taken a life, but you've done it through through negligence and i mean it's not the same but the analogy you always give is hey i thought i was shooting a deer i, I hit a person i i'm i was wrong i i thought i had my taser i had my gun so so what do you do what what do you do with her i mean do you put her in prison uh, I, I mean i think that definitely the charges are appropriate but i'm thinking more along the line of two to four years um with yeah. extended supervision after release um you got to look at her record too Right. Uh, but what I read that she only had one other discharge in a 26 year career. Right. Of her weapon. Right. No, exactly. Right. Thank, right. That she is not. Thanks for the call. From what I can tell, uh, again, from all the published accounts, she's not she's not a bad cop. I mean, it's not like this is somebody that's got a long history of of abuse that this was it was a mistake. And I think that that's pretty clear that that's what's going on here. But I, I don't I don't minimize this. You you still got to be held accountable. Somebody is dead. But I do think you look at intent in this regard. I would my guess, my guess is that if she is convicted of this, either through a plea or, or a trial, my guess is she's probably going to be looking at, at a couple years in prison. Uh, I, I don't think she's going to get 10 years in prison. I think she's going to be looking at a, at a couple years in prison, and I think that's appropriate because you've got a 20-year-old that's dead. Now, I, I'm getting a number of texts from people saying, well, you've got to look at the flip side. This wouldn't have happened if he hadn't resisted and any of that. I, I, right, I understand that, which is one of the reasons why I always say that 
you know, resisting always makes stuff worse. But we don't have the death penalty in this country for resisting arrest. We, we, we don't. Uh, we, we expect police officers to not make mistakes and especially not make mistakes that results in fatality. So, yeah, I think she needs to be held accountable for what's happened here. Let's talk to Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I think she should be charged with the same charge the uh, African-American officer uh, who accidentally shot a, a white woman in, in Minnesota. Uh, I think he was charged with first degree and convicted of first degree manslaughter. And so uh, the thing is, is that I don't know why the you know, it's, I don't know why the circumstances are different. He accidentally shot somebody. And she accidentally shot somebody. So I, I guess I'm I not. I'm, I'm not. I guess I'm not. I'm not remembering the case you're talking about. Because in in Minnesota, first degree manslaughter, voluntary manslaughter, is typically it's a crime of passion. You you come home, you find your spouse in in bed with somebody else, and you 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 shoot them. Um, second degree manslaughter, this involuntary manslaughter, is normally the accidental shooting. So I, I guess I'm not. I just I'm just not familiar with the case you're talking about. Well, there, there, there was a case in point in, in Minnesota. Okay. But, but this is also why uh, police officers should be held to a higher standard, mm-hmm. because when they make a mistake, somebody loses their lives. Okay, so what do you and think? So the fact, what do you think a prison sentence should be? What do you th- so? I, I agree that there should be charges in this case, assuming that she is convicted. Uh, the charge carries a maximum penalty of, of ten years. Do you put her in prison for ten years? No. Okay. No, I don't think she should be put in prison for ten years. I think, I think uh, uh, at least three to five is is, yeah. is probably applicable to this particular case. No, I don't think she'd be put in jail for ten years. No, no, thanks. And I think, and so we 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 agree. I guess, and so let me double back. I, again, I'm not familiar with the case that you're talking about, but if if her maximum exposure is is ten years, and we would agree that a ten year sentence isn't necessary or appropriate. This charge also, at least again, if I'm a prosecutor and I'm trying to figure out, unless there's some other evidence that people don't know that that she really did intend to kill the guy. If this is just a mistake, this does sound to me like the appropriate charge to issue. It's got, a, you know, you've got 10 years worth of exposure. I mean, I do think she has to go to prison. I, I mean, I. And I understand there's some people out there, and I'm hearing from you, who think, well, this was just a mistake. She's a police officer, but but somebody's dead. And I, I make this argument all the time where you have, you know, the flip side of this, where you have just, just private citizens. You know, you make a mistake with, with a gun and somebody ends up dead. You, you have to, I think there has to be a degree of accountability. I do think intent matters, though, and I'm not convinced at all that this this officer intended to do anything other than ta- what she said at the time, which is tase the guy. Now, I think it's fair to say, how could you not know that you had, you know, a, a gun in your hand instead of the taser? That That's a fair sort of question. But I think that was, in fact, the case. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Hi, Mike. Good afternoon. Afternoon, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? I think the charges are correct. Um, and comparing it to the case in Texas, um, that was gross negligence on her part. And I think she was drunk, too, at the time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, this was a different situation where um, in the line of duty, in the heat of the moment, the officer made a, a terrible mistake. And it was a terrible mistake. And I had originally said that I didn't think she deserves uh, prison time because I do believe that the, um, the person that happened to it bears some responsibility for what happened. But uh, I do think I, I would I would say a year. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. Well, I, think, I mean, I, again, you know, I think that's the, the thing. And there, 
this doesn't this does not happen if if Dante Wright doesn't doesn't resist. But that again, and and so I I, I get that. And I understand it, but like I say, we don't have the death penalty in this country for resisting arrest. They, the, and the the officer, she didn't intend to shoot him. Now I, I, I know some people. Oh no, this is just this. This is just part of the the white supremacist system. No, she made a mistake. I mean, she intended to tase the guy. Now you could argue that okay, you know, was she overreacting by tasing him? You've got three or four police officers that are on that scene. Do you need to tase him? And, and that's a whole other story that's out there. But she made a mistake. The consequences of this were were fatal. And I think you have to have you know some sort of you know retribution. It's kind of like. I don't want to use the drunk driving example necessarily, but you, you don't necessarily intend to kill somebody. But, you know, you get behind the wheel of the car when you've had too much to drink. Boom. You're liable for the, the consequences. You've got to be held accountable for the results. And I understand this isn't drunk driving. In that case, you've made the intentional decision to, you know, to, to drink and then get behind the wheel of the car. She made a mistake. I think that's what this is. And, and I also I hope for I hope cooler heads prevail because regardless of how this turns out, the, the idea that this mistake and the officer needs to be held accountable and there needs to be justice, but the idea that this mistake and this situation is going to be used as an opportunity for the opportunists out there to try to fan the flames of racial unrest in this society and then use this as an excuse to, hey, I've always wanted that 65-inch TV. Now's my chance to bust into the Walmart and get it. I, I hope we don't go that route as well. In the Derek Chauvin case, this is a slow guilty plea. He is going to be convicted. In the Kim Potter case, she's going to be held accountable, and she's going to probably, in my opinion, deservedly do some time. Um, beyond that, what, what is justice? Well, that, that to me is justice. They're hold, being, holding people accountable for their actions. And I, I actually think that we should be talking more about justice across the board, not just justice for misbehaving or criminally inclined police officers. Of course we need that. But how, how about justice for all the other victims that are out there on a daily basis? You know, where is the outrage over that? Back with more in just a minute. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So the $64,000 question. Okay, Groove, producing the show today and always. Giannis, bad knee. Been, and it doesn't sound like it's serious, but it's certainly something nagging. They haven't been in a rush to play him too much. Uncertain whether they're going to play him tonight. All right, do you, do you, do you push him into games? What do you do? How how quickly do you try to push him to get him back? I think we have a pretty strong hold in being the in the top four yeah. for the Eastern Conference. So why yeah why 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 put him out there right now? I, well, I see. I I agree with you. Um, they're they're in all likelihood that the top two teams in the in the the Eastern Conference by record are, are Philadelphia and um, uh, Brooklyn. They're, the Bucks are probably not going to overhaul either one of those teams. I think it's more likely they're going to end up like as a third seed or something like that this year. And so they're, they're going to make the playoffs. There's no question about that. They're not going to have to do the play-in things. They're, you want to try to win every game. But I'm with you. I mean, at this point in time, the guy's got nagging injury. L- let's face it. The goal every year is to win the championship. And if the Bucks are going to win the championship this year, you need a healthy, competitive, 
Giannis playing in every one of the playoff games and scoring 35 and 40 points. That's what you need. And the regular season, I don't want to say it's not important because all these games are important, but given where you are right now, I agree completely. And Unless the guy is, is 100%, there's no need to rush this back at, at all, at least at this point in time. So if you want to err on the side of caution, to me, that just makes sense. All right, I did want to address something. In the last segment, we had one of the callers who was, we were talking about Kim Potter. She is the Brooklyn Center police officer who's now been charged with the 10-year crime. And one of our callers was saying, well, remember there was this case where there was the um, it was a Somali American police officer in Minneapolis who was involved in a, a shooting, and our caller was saying that I think that that should he should get the same penalty. And I was drawing a blank on that. Right, I, I pulled that up. Uh, this happened. It happened in 2017. It involved a uh, Somali American police officer in Minneapolis. His name was Mohammed Noor, and he he shot and killed. A young Australian woman, her name was Justine Ruzchek. Um, she was unarmed. What had happened was, this goes back to 2017. Now, he went to, to trial. She, um, she w- was in, she was from Australia, but she was in, she was in Minneapolis. She calls 911 twice on, on a, a summer night back in the summer of 2017. She says, that, matter of fact, she says, I think there's a, I think there's a sexual assault that's going on in in this alley down you know down below me. So she calls nine one one, and Officer Noor and his partner they they roll up on the scene. She apparently she's in pajamas. She's carrying a cell phone. She starts to go up to the car to I think talk to him. She'd say I'm the one that called nine one one, and he pulls out his gun and from from the window of his police vehicle he he shoots and kills her um there's she's she's unarmed um she's carrying a a cell phone um and and she's just she's she's going up he says um he, he went to trial and he said well this was yes i i pulled out the gun yet yes i shot her but i didn't um i i i i, I feared for my life um, and so that that's why I shot her, and she went to trial, and, and the jury didn't buy the, the fear for your life thing. He ended up getting convicted, and I think he's doing like 12, 15, 12 and a half years. I guess I see that as a different sort of situation than the Kim Potter one. In the, in the case of the officer in Minneapolis, Noor, who, I mean, he intended to shoot somebody. This is a situation where he, she, she didn't, she didn't intend to shoot him at all. I mean, she did not intend to shoot Dante Wright. She thought she had a taser in her hand. That was the mistake. In this case, and it, it all, th- I mean, the result's the same. People are dead. But in this case, the officer Noor, he thought that he was, he, he thought that she presented a threat or something. He pulled out his gun and he intended to kill her. Um, so she, she's dead, but he did intend to shoot her. So that's that's why you get the different degree of charges that are out there. So I, I'm I'm not sure it's it's an apples to apples comparison, but he's doing uh, he's 12 years. That was the case. Okay, eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As I said at the start of the program, um, I I actually had I had backup arranged for today because yesterday I was off because of the early Brewers game. It was, um, I had some dental work done in the morning with my dentist, Painless Paul, greatest dentist in Milwaukee. That, that was all fine. So that was 7.30 in the morning, 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I, I got my second dose of the vaccine, the, the Pfizer vaccine. Knock on wood, 
I had no complications at all from the first dose. And maybe it's because I had COVID before, I had antibodies. Maybe it's just because I tolerate that. I, I don't know. But I was still, I'm thinking, okay, I'm having all this dental work done, and then I, I'm going to get the, the Pfizer vaccine, and then at a point with my chiropractor later on in the afternoon, I was thinking, eh, it's, it's entirely possible that I could be messed up today, so we, we need backup. Um, I, 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 my, my program director reached out to me last night and said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm feeling great. And, and again, knock on wood. I'm, I'm continue to feel great. I mean, I'm, I'm having no side effects from that a, at all. So my experience with the vaccine has been universally positive. Now, I know other people have had reactions. Our Steve Scafidi, who precedes me on the air, um, he was off yesterday because he had a reaction to his second dose of vaccine. Uh, John McCure, my friend John and I got our vaccines at the same place yesterday. John, I'm not telling tales out of school, he, he's off today. He felt like the bottom of a birdcage because he, he didn't have much of a reaction to the first dose, but he had a reaction to to this one. So it, it's it's not a life-threatening sort of thing, but you know he, he's off. So people do have reactions. And I understand that plus you've got all the stuff going on with the Johnson and Johnson vaccine where they've temporarily suspended this and it it might make people reluctant to get the vaccine. Well, into that, Wade's the CEO of Pfizer. Now there's three different vaccines. There's Pfizer, you need two shots, you get them 3 weeks apart. There's Moderna, you need two shots, you get them 4 weeks apart, and then there's the the Johnson and Johnson vaccine temporarily suspended. That's only one shot. So the Pfizer CEO, he apparently did an interview about two weeks ago. It's only now becoming public. But what he said two weeks ago is he said that people will likely need a booster dose of COVID-19 vaccine within 12 months of getting fully vaccinated. So they're not saying for sure you're going to need to get another shot next year, but they're saying, okay, based on what we're seeing now, we think it's going to be likely that, you know, 12 months after being vaccinated, you'll need to have another vaccination. And he said, and it's entirely possible that people are going to need to be vaccinated against the virus annually. That in other words, you know, we're at least for the foreseeable future, you, you might need to get a, a COVID booster shot like every year. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you do that? I mean, would, would you, if you were told, if now the authorities came out and started to say, all right, look, here's the deal. Um, this has got to be something, at least for the foreseeable future, you're, you're going to need to get your booster shots. You're going to need to just view this as part of what you would normally do with like a physical checkup. You're going to need to get a booster shot every year. Would would you do it? Would the American people be willing to do it? Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess, again, from from my perspective, and this is from the perspective of somebody who had COVID, a very, very mild case. And I, I mean, I, I didn't even mention on the radio that I, I had it because I, I understand some people can have very significant reactions and I didn't want to be accused of downplaying it because my reaction to COVID was very, very minor because I know some people don't have very, very minor situations. I guess my, my experience with the vaccine, knock on wood, thus far, it's been completely and totally positive. And if they told me I needed a booster shot next year and I needed a booster shot for the next couple of years, just like I get the flu shot annually, I would have no problem doing that. But I wonder if you would, and I wonder what this says if we're now going to start to say, 
okay, well, we, we don't know what the immunity is going to be, and you might need to make this a way of life. Will that make people less likely or less willing to get the vaccine in the first place? I hope not. 855-616-1620. This changes nothing for me. Do you think it's going to change things for you or for others? We discuss in a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, if you're just tuning in, the CEO of Pfizer, uh, he, he made remarks about two weeks ago, but they're just only becoming public now, where he's saying that he thinks it is quite likely that people might need a booster shot within a year um, if you've been vaccinated for COVID. And, you know, you, you might need, you know, updates, you know, for, for the next uh, every year moving forward. Not saying that definitively, but saying it's possible. And we're discussing what impact that would would have. Before we go to the phone lines, let me just share a couple of the a couple of the texts I'm getting, which are Predictably, I think kind of all over the map. Jeff, I'm very confused about vaccines. We get our childhood vaccines. We don't need to get boosters for them. Why does mumps not mutate? Why does the flu and COVID keep mutating, requiring us to get boosters? Um, don't don't know the answer to that. Um, Jeff, I get my teeth cleaned every six months. I have my eyes dilated every year. I'm 51, and now I'm required to get a colonoscopy every five years, and I get my yearly flu shot. If it gets me 20 more times into the bar without a mask, well, then you can stick me every year. Jeff, how many people get the annual flu shot? There's your answer. With Dr. Fauci parading around saying you still can't eat indoors after both shots. Again, what's the point of the shots if they have zero long-term research on them? Yeah, I do think, and I've said this before, I I think uh, Dr. Fauci very, very overexposed, sending out mixed messages. And a lot of the stuff that that he's saying, I, I think, for people who don't want to get vaccinated, gives them the ammunition. And this is from somebody who, I mean, has just gotten vaccinated. Jeff, um questionable i had the j and j and they had very minimal effects but i think they need to work on side effects and i really don't want to be intentionally ill for a day or so which i certainly can appreciate i guess the question is where where is the trade-off jeff i've never gotten a flu shot and i will never get the vaccine jeff um yeah i would get a booster just like the flu shot yearly i do that too it's no big deal to me. I think it is better than getting COVID. Um, Jeff, I was on the fence about the vaccine, but I will not get it if I have to get it every year. Then in contrast, yes, Jeff, I'll get it every year that it's indicated. I believe in the science, and I am not a scientist. Um, so people all over the map. Let's go to the phones. Cindy in Delafield. Cindy, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, I have had COVID, a mild case. My friends have had severe cases. I did get the vaccine. I will continue to get it, even though I never believed in, like, the flu vaccine. I'm a firm believer now. So I think it's a good idea. You have to get, you know, other things annually. Why not do this if it's going to help? Mm-hmm. What about does the oh, so the the idea that they say that you you only might have a, a year of immunity if, if that you need the boosters that that would not make you hesitant to go back every year. No, I've had pneumonia three times and now I get the the pneumonia vaccine every year, so I don't get pneumonia, so yeah. I have no problem with it. Yeah, did you have did you have an adverse? I'm sorry, you said at the beginning. Did you have an adverse reaction when you got the vaccine? The first one, I just had a sore arm. The yeah. second one, I was just really, really tired, but no other reaction. Yeah. Isn't it so, funny? I, I, just, I mean, they're all over the map. Like I say, again, knock on wood, I'm not trying to tempt fate, but I've now had two, and, and 
almost no reaction at all. And, you know, other people are off of work for a day or two. My wife said after her second one, she felt like she got hit by a by a train. It, it's just it's amazing to me that we all react differently to these things. Right. We're all built differently, and that's how we all react differently to COVID itself. Some people die from it. Some people have no reaction. Some people don't even know they have it. So I'm, a, I'm not really a gambler, but in this one, I'm going to gamble and keep getting the vaccine, no matter if it's once a year or twice a year. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 855 Now, what I don't know is where the concept of, of herd immunity plays in. You would You would think it you would think at some point in time that you, you'd get to a point where you, you, you have enough people who have been vaccinated for a long enough period of time that you actually kill, you, you kill the disease. Um, but I, I, some apparently there, there's some people that are questioning whether that's ever going to be the case. I mean, I do think if you're, and I've said this before, if you're going to get people to buy into the vaccines, what you need to do is, is you need to you need to give them that that light at the end of the tunnel. And when you have people like Dr. Fauci saying, well, I, I'm not sure you can even go into restaurants. I would encourage people to travel or I would encourage people to go into restaurants, even if you've been fully vaccinated. Right. That just that makes it more difficult. Then people say, well, why, why bother getting vaccinated? So I think that they do if there are only very, very minimal risks to you know, you've been vaccinated, you can get it, you can be again, and there's not too much evidence that that happens. And then you can be asymptomatic and you can transmit it on to somebody else who might not be vaccinated. If statistically there is not much likelihood to that, then then they, they shouldn't we shouldn't be telling people that even if you've gotten vaccinated, you can't do all these different things because it's going to discourage people from wanting to get vaccinated. Let's talk to Steve in Waukesha. Hi, Steve. You're in WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. What do you think? So, yeah, you know, I was kind of telling your screener, and and I'm not trying to make light of it, but you know, uh, I've never been much much of a of a vacciner to begin with. I've never really gotten a flu shot or anything like that, um, you know. But kind of tongue in cheek, I told your screener, you know, the the booster thing. I'm surprised they're 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 saying anything about it now. You would maybe think it would be. Uh, you know, the, le- the next presidential election cycle, we'd have uh, we- it would be a thing. You know, it'd be a. Did, what do you mean you're not getting the booster? You know what I mean? So, yeah. well, no, it's. I mean, thank you. Yeah, no, thank. Well, I mean, it, I mean, look, I think people are going to be out there deciding it. Um, Jeff, I remember getting booster shots for tetanus um, for many years. I would take it if it's recommended. Jeff, Dr. Fauci's a nut. He only wants to be on TV. I don't know that he's a nut, but he's definitely overexposed. I've kind of described him as the Cato Kalin of the, um, of, of the medical industry. I think he'd be best to kind of say no from time to time when somebody calls up for an interview just because he ends up giving inconsistent stuff. Okay, here, here's the bottom line of all this. Just, just be aware. That I mean, this is going to be the next shoe to drop. They don't know how long the immunity is going to last, and they may, in fact, tell you, hey, you're, you're, you're going to need boosters. For me, I'm going to have no problem doing that just because I, I don't want to get COVID again. I'm not sure I'm convinced that there's any likelihood I'm going to get it again, but I don't want to get it again, and I certainly don't want to get it worse, and I certainly don't want to spread it to somebody else. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
So very glad to have you with us. All right, let's turn our attention a little bit closer to home. I, I know everybody's been talking about what, what's happened in Minnesota over the course of the last couple days, as have us. But you know, there was a story that broke yesterday, and I'm really legitimately curious as to your reaction to this. We, we all know what happened in Kenosha last summer, August 23rd. You had the police shooting of of Jacob Blake. And I, I think we, we all know the facts of this. And without going into too much details, what, what happened is the police get this call that's placed saying that there's a domestic situation. They go out, they find Jacob Blake, who is, you know, putting some he's got children in the car. He's coming out. The police try to arrest him. He does not comply. You know, how often does that end up happening? Um, there's a report that he's got a knife. He's not obeying the police officers. He's getting in the car. There's kids in the car. The police decide they, they can't let the guy drive off with the kids. He's resisting. He's not cooperating. The story is that he they think he's reaching for this knife. He refuses to drop it. And then you have the um, police officer. Again, his name is, is Rustin Shisky. He's a, a long-serving Kenosha police officer. This is not a... This is not a rookie. This is not an officer that they had a lengthy history of problems with. He pulls out a service revolver. He shoots seven times. Remember, everybody knows the story about that. As a result of that, Jacob Blake is not killed, but he's paralyzed. Um, there is a lengthy, th- this shooting leads to the rioting. Yes, I'm willing to use that word. It leads to the rioting in Kenosha that goes on for several nights. As we've talked about before, what happened is authorities were unprepared for the, the scope of the, the riots. And just like you had happened in Minneapolis, that Minneapolis suburb a couple days ago, you, you have widespread looting and vandalism and all these buildings that are burned down. And it took the authorities a couple nights to get the National Guard in place and get you know, figure out what they were doing. Then, of course, two nights later, you have um, self-appointed members of various, quote-unquote, militias, including 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who show up, and Rittenhouse ends up shooting and killing two people and wounding a, a third um, he's going to be going on trial, but I think I guess it's in November or something. But you, you have, you know, one thing after another. In any event, lengthy months and months investigation into um, the Kenosha police officer, Officer Shisky, and ultimately the authorities decide that he did nothing wrong. The decision is, no, he was just, the shooting was justified, and there is not going to, there are not going to be criminal charges that are taken against him, that they find that he didn't violate police rules, that, you know, he did everything according to what the, the rule book says. All right. He has now been returned to regular duty, and he's not going to face any administrative discipline. Uh, the Kenosha police chief announced that she's, he's been cleared of breaking any internal policies and has, in fact, been back on duty um, since March 31st. Before that, he wasn't on the street. He was on administrative leave. Um, the police chief says, although this incident has been reviewed on multiple levels, I know that some will not be pleased with the outcome. However, given the facts, the only lawful and appropriate decision was made. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, the family of, of Jacob Blake and Jacob Blake himself ha- filed a lawsuit against, you know, Kenosha. There, there will be a lawsuit to determine whether or not there's, there's civil liability and whether they're entitled to compensation. And I take no position on how that lawsuit's going to work out. But the police chief 
looks at this and says, we don't find that he violated any sort of internal rules. And based on that, yeah, we're we're returning him back to the force. There's no basis to discipline him, no criminal basis. The determination was made. And as we look at this, we find there were no violations of rules. So, yes, he is entitled to resume being a police officer in Kenosha. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Under the circumstances... If he wants to go back to active duty, I think this is the appropriate response. Now, as with former Wauwatosa police officer Joseph Mensa, who's now working what for the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department, I, I think a reasonable question is whether or not this officer, whether or not it's best for him and whether it's best for the community that he would perhaps move on. But But putting that question aside... I don't think there's any basis to deny him an ability to continue his career. So I don't think the police chief had any other choice other than to say, okay, we've looked at this. We've determined the shooting is legitimate. We don't think you violated any rules. I, you want to go back on duty? You're entitled to do it. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Eight five five six one six one six twenty, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I know that there's some people who have all sorts of heartburn over the announcement that they made yesterday. That's been a reality for about two weeks. That, that in Kenosha, um, Rusty Shisky, who is the police officer who was involved in shooting Jacob Blake, which led to the riots in Kenosha and all the unrest, he, he's been returned to active duty. And my point about this is, yeah, I mean that the, the lengthy criminal investigation determined that there were no basis for criminal charges. The police have apparently conducted an extensive internal investigation that undoubtedly bootstrapped along with what the criminal investigation determined. And, and the evaluation is he, the officer did nothing wrong. He, he handled the situation appropriately based on the facts that were presented to him. And so they've said, hey, based on this, we, we have no basis to, to discipline him. And so since there's no basis to discipline him, if he wants to go back to work, he's entitled to go back to work. Now, reasonable people could perhaps say, under given all the attention that something like this has gotten, would, would, would everybody be better with a fresh start, like Joseph Mensa leaving the Wauwatosa Police Department and now ending up um, in the Waukesha County Sheriff's Department? But, you know, that aside, if uh, the officer wants to go back to work, I don't think there's any basis for not allowing him to go back to work. And if some people are unhappy with that, sorry, but, you know, I, I hear all this talk about justice and due process and things like that, and I always ask the question, what what does that mean? I mean, to me, justice means you have a, a system, and the system evaluates stuff in a in a neutral sort of fashion. Let's look at the facts. Let's look at what the law says. Let's look at what the rules say. Let's have that conversation. And, and th- then that's what justice is. If justice says, hey, you violated the rules, you broke the law, well, then justice demands that you be charged, whether you're a police officer or whether you're a citizen, whether you're white or black or brown, you, you end up being charged. The flip side of this, though, is if if 
it's evaluated. It's evaluated objectively and fairly and neutrally. And you look at what the law says and you look at what the rules say. And you say, okay, based on these facts and circumstances, applying the facts and circumstances to the law, applying the facts and circumstances to the rules, we determine that th- there was not a violation. Well, then, then justice, then due process says, in this case to the officer, you're, you're entitled to go back to work. Jeff, why can't people just follow the instructions of police, um, if they say stop, that means stop. Um, there's nothing to accomplish by trying to run. You know, I, I've made that point repeatedly over the last couple of years. Police are not perfect. Police make police can make mistakes. But what happens is when somebody decides to resist arrest or flee or get back in a car or ignore police orders, you end up escalating the situation and you almost always make things worse. I agree. I've always said, hey, if if you get stopped, you just comply. If the police officer is wrong and officers are wrong, there's going to be all sorts of time to figure that out. You'll have a chance to complain to the superiors. You'll have a chance to get a lawyer. You'll have a chance to go in front of a judge. You'll have a chance to sue if it's appropriate. But what happens is if you decide that you're going to risk a resist arrest or struggle or flee or whatever, you escalate things, which then requires the police to escalate their response. And it it just never works out well. Jeff, decisions were rendered in Kenosha based on policy and procedures. People need to stop demanding more out of a sense of entire people need to be to stop demanding more out of some sort of sense of entitlement. Um, Jeff, I agree they should let him go back to work. I hope he has the support and emotional toughness to successfully continue his career. Well, that's I mean, that is, I mean, that's one of the issues that you you have. And it's one of the reasons why, and some of you disagreed with me, when I I said I thought it was best under all the circumstances in Wauwatosa for Officer Mensa to move on. Not because I believe that there's any evidence suggesting that he did anything wrong. As a matter of fact, all, all the different reviews said he didn't. But at some point in time, you become such a hot point in the community, such a flashpoint, that you know that there's going to be people who have their own agendas who are going to try to to bait you into responses and things like that. And sometimes a a fresh start is best. I don't know if that's the case down in Kenosha or not, but regardless, I think the officer, if he did nothing wrong, he's entitled to go back to do his job. And I think we would all feel the same way. Jeff, uh, the officer did nothing wrong. This was determined by district attorneys, special investigators, and many others in the legal system. He possibly saved the children's lives in that car. I believe he is a hero. I believe he deserves a promotion, but at the very least, he deserves his job back if he chooses so. Um, you know, what other option would there be? Jeff, I don't even understand why somebody would want to go back to that job. Well, that is, I mean, that's the other the issue that's out there. And this comes from the perspective of somebody who, you know, has worked with law enforcement people for, you know, a good chunk of my career in various capacities. And it, it is, I mean, nowadays, nowadays, who would want to be a police officer when you know that every action you take is going to be second guessed? And in some cases, even if the actions you take are legitimate and are verified, there's still going to be people that are going to want your scalp. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. <laughs> And this is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Let me do a shout out to my friends. Now Chief Justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, Annette Ziegler. This is sort of an interesting thing. Um, for year, for uh, up until 2015, when voters 
including me, wisely changed the state constitution. The, the state Supreme Court, the chief judge, and the chief justice has, has immense power. It's, it's, there's seven, there's seven justices and they're all equal, but the, the chief justice is, is more equal because the chief justice controls, oh, assignments of things and, and can, there's, there's a lot of internal power without going into too many details. And the, it had always been that the person with the most seniority on the bench, they, they ended up being the chief justice and that worked well in some cases and it worked not so well in others because some of the people that ended up being the chief justice well they're really smart people but really weren't suited necessarily to the administrative stuff and it created huge rifts because there were some people and the perception was they play favorites or whatever so anyhow in any event the the voters changed the state constitution to in my opinion it's something that makes perfect sense to allow the justices themselves to decide who the chief justice is going to be and um, after that happened, the first the first person who was voted as the chief justice, the former chief justice, was the the late Shirley Abramson, and um, she was there because of tenure. What happened is after the the rules and the law were changed, the justices elected uh, Patience Rogensack, and Justice Rogensack has been the chief justice. Um, she she is not going to be the chief justice. She's still still begun the court. She's up for. Her term expires in two years. It's kind of open-ended as to whether she's going to run again or not. But uh, the, the chief, the justices got together, and they have decided that uh, Annette Ziegler is going to be the new chief justice. Um, justice Ziegler is, is from kind of the West Bend area. I, I know her because she went to law school with my younger brother. So I've, I've known her. She's a Marquette Law School graduate, and she was a prosecutor, and then she was a judge, circuit court judge in, in West Bend in Washington County and stuff. And um, she's been a personal friend of mine for a number of years, and she's really, really smart. And also, she's also, I think, kind of a consensus builder as well. Here's my interesting trivia group producing the show today and always. Um, Annette Ziegler, she married Fran and I. She was the present when we got married a few years back, um, four years almost. She was, the, she was the. We we reached out and I asked, uh, we asked her if she would do this the honor, and she came to our wedding and she married us. So I'm, I can now say I was I was married by the woman who's now the chief, chief justice on the uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court. Just one of these like little cool fun facts that's out there. <clears throat> Here's another story that I just wanted to mention, and it's. It's it's one of the it's it's the new McCarthyism that that is out there, and it it just to me I just I kind of roll my eyes when I see stories like this, when when somebody on the left says something really stupid, like you have a couple of the these Congresswomen members of the squad who say, well, you know, we we think that what happened in Minneapolis is we need think we need to fund the police, we we need to do away with the police. The media doesn't run out and find every Democrat that they can and say, hey, what. Hey, Tammy Baldwin, what did you think about this crazy thing that such and such said? When you have Republicans who say stuff that's on the fringe, well, then then it's we got to find other Republicans and ask them, you know, what they're going to say. And, and here's the uh, another side of that. In the spring in Wisconsin and across the country, Republicans have what are called Lincoln Day dinners and the county parties get together and they they have a dinner and they try to find and they find speakers and things like that. Well, apparently, and this is the story in the Journal Sentinel, this is the latest breaking um, exclusive, April 24th in Chippewa County, which is kind of like think the Eau Claire area, the, the Chippewa County Lincoln Day luncheon is going to be held. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. We are joined now by my friend, colleague, teammate of many, many years. Greg, how many years have you been here? Uh, I, we're almost on a parallel path. It'll be 20 for me in August. Okay, got it. You must so, be just a little, maybe 20, a year ahead of me. 23, 23 yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. close. Absolutely. Well, Greg Matzik, who you, you hear, of course, doing sports on Wisconsin's Afternoon News, who over the years has done a number of shows and now very involved with our um, ESPN partners right down the hall. But, Greg, guy, I want to have you in here because you've got you've got something coming up that's very, very fun. It's going to be challenging, and you're, you're trying to raise some money for a good cause. Yeah, absolutely. I'm hoping our fans and listeners will uh, do, do us a solid here again. I, I know we ask a lot of our listeners, and they always come through, which is... Is, uh, a complete blessing so thank you in advance but if you text the word ringer r-i-n-g-e-r ringer to 855-616-1620 you will get sent right to your phone what i'm doing on april 29th and uh, an ability to donate right there it's 100 holes of golf at the bog and we're trying to raise money for the mac fund so put it all together i love golf obviously having uh, two young daughters at home my my passion for my children and really my uh, just enjoyment of kids in general is has never been more through the roof than it is now. And, of course, many kids are dealt the, the hand of having to deal with cancer, many families as well. So in the process, you know about the MAC fund. We're trying to buy time for some of those children uh, who are dealt that hand. So uh, this is a kind of a cool fun fundraiser. Uh, we'll see if chiropractic services are necessary <laughs> for me when I'm done. But uh, the whole idea is to help support the MAC fund and kind of a fun vehicle to do so. At a fun golf course. Okay, now I'm curious as to what, where the text word comes from. Ringer, R-I-N-G-E-R, as in you are the ringer or we're going to bring in the ringer golfer? or Is, is there some thinking behind that? I'm yeah, just curious. Yeah, so think more on the medical side. It's the ringing of the bell. So if, if you okay. are one of those people who have had cancer before, maybe you have been able to ring the bell. You're the ringer. And okay, uh, all right. I, I'm sure that was a, a liberating day for those who had the opportunity. So uh, that's where the name comes from. And uh, they've done this for a, a few years here in Milwaukee. They're starting it in Chicago as well uh, as the Mac Fund sort of uh, expand its wings a little bit. But, yes, the goal is to play 100 holes of golf on April 29th. We'll tee off about 745 in the morning. Uh, you have your own cart, so right. I, I guess there's an element of speed golf here. If, right, if I hit right. one into the woods, I'm not looking for it. Right, exactly. Uh, so I, I think we'll have to get through about 18 holes in an hour or so, roughly. So it, it, there's going to be some pep in the step, right. I guess, on that day. Well, you know, I, I told you a number of years ago I did something similar to that a, a long time ago, and I think we ended up we ended up playing like – from from dusk till dawn, dawn till dusk, and we ended up playing like 140 holes or so. We we exceeded the hundred just because it, it ended up being kind of fun and stuff. But it it is it is a challenge. I mean, I remember I wasn't I I was wearing tennis shoes, not golf shoes, because it's just easier to to kind of move around when you're you're doing that sort of stuff. But I, I had an absolute blast. Although I admit, by the end of the day, really, <laughs> really, really sore. Yeah, and I, my goal in this whole thing is to finish 100 holes. Uh, I've had some friends say, well, I'll give you a dollar a hole, I'll give you a 50 cents a hole, a quarter a hole, whatever it is. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to try and get through that full 100. And and really, I'm, I'm trying to get to the $7,500 threshold. Right. I've already, over the last few weeks, um, through friends and family and fans and listeners and businesses, uh, it's been really incredible. We're up over $6,500 already. So this is kind of the, the final tip-in over the next couple of weeks 
to try and reach that $7,500 threshold. So if you text the word RINGER to our talk and text line, 855-616-1620, all the information will be sent right to your phone. You can see what a cool event this is, and just trying to raise some money for a, a great cause. Well, and again, and that's I, I know this is something that's very close to your heart, the, the, and we all know all the great work that the MAC Fund does and all the great things they've done for kids over the years. Really, and, and truthfully, and I, I know I was on these airwaves a little over a month ago, Jeff, doing the, the Children's Heart Foundation, and how eye-opening that was to me. And, and the common thread is we're trying to help buy time for children who are dealt a bad hand. And yeah. uh, that hits home to me. So anything with kids in it really grabs my heart. And, uh, and the Mac Fund does just tremendous work. And they've done it for years. And I assume that for people who donate, there will be there will be updates, right? There'll, there'll be stuff out on social media or on whether it's ESPN or the TMJ websites where we can kind of look at some of your best shots, perhaps, some of your worst <laughs> shots, perhaps. Uh, and... You'll only see the best. Uh, you know, <laughs> but I can tell you this. I'll, you know, for those who donate, and I'll even dedicate a hold to those who donate, and we'll do a little social media shout-out from the golf course. So. Uh, I think yep. 54 total people have, have donated through my portal. Right. Uh, and, and there are others playing, and, and there's a lot of money being raised, which is great. But, uh, yes, the opportunity to dedicate a hole. So I would dedicate a hole to you, Jeff. Okay, Lager, all right. Well, if I mean, you help support I, the mission. All I have to do is is text the word RINGER to 855-616-1620, and I'm all set, right? That, that's it. You can uh, uh, The online donation system will be thrown right to your phone, and it's a pretty simple and easy process. So. Hopefully uh, our fans and listeners and friends can, can help tip this one in. And we want to do we want people to do it right away um, as soon as possible because the event is April 29th. But we yes. want to get this all kind of lined up right now. So um, I see a number of people are already texting the word ringer to oh, our that's text awesome. line and God, stuff. So. God bless you, people. That, it, it's, it just means the world to me. Uh, I see two little girls at home every day, and we're blessed that they're healthy. But not everybody's in that situation. I'm trying so much to help those who are okay so we're going to hope for lots of money that you're going to raise and we're also going to hope for um nice weather Good on weather. april 20th. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that, that one's a little out of my control i wish i had a little more control over it yeah i was thinking i was trying to think when when i did mine years and years ago i think it was um I, I, I'm pretty sure it was like June or July or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that sounds a- nice. <laughs> April 29th, because I'm scheduled to play golf Saturday and Sunday mornings. And I'm kind of like looking at the forecast going, well, it's going to be around <laughs> 50 or so. No, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, but I'm, I'm going to hope for, for good weather for you as well, my friend. Well, thank you for the time, Jeff, and, and thank you to our listeners and fans in advance. It, it, it really does mean a lot to me. 855-616-1620. Text the word RINGER. You will find all the information, and Greg will dedicate a hole to you. you, you you can't get better than that. <laughs> Thank you, back, Jeff. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, again, the word is ringer. If you want to help Craig, uh, Craig, Greg with his 100 holes of golf, 855-616-1620. Uh, text the word ringer. You'll get all the information. Okay. I am curious to discuss this with you. Yesterday, the Republicans in the Assembly, by a vote of 62 to 32, with all Republicans voting, uh, all the Republicans who voted, voted in favor of this, joined by seven Democrats, all voted for a sales tax holiday this summer at bars and restaurants. So here, here's the deal. Most parts of the state 
the sales tax is 5.5%. It's more in Milwaukee County, for example. 5% goes to the state, 0.5% goes to the the counties. Um, Some areas, Milwaukee County, and also some tourist areas like Wisconsin Dells, charge higher sales taxes. So here's the deal. This bill would eliminate sales tax this summer at bars and restaurants. Uh, the idea behind this is it would, it would first of all, help people who are going back and finally getting back to going to bars and restaurants. It, it would help them because it would you know, reduce the tax a little bit. But more importantly, the idea is collectively it would help the bars and restaurants because it would give an added incentive for people to, to come back. They estimate that if you did this, if you got rid of the sales tax at bars and restaurants just for the summer, what would happen is consumers would save about $170 million. So that that's and, and therefore make them more likely to, to go back and to, you know, buy buy drinks and buy food and patronize these businesses that have been just absolutely brutalized. And by the way, continue to be brutalized by a number of the rules that have been put in place. Well, like in the city of Milwaukee, at some places, restaurants are back down to 25 percent capacity. You cannot make a go of this. So the intention behind this is to I mean, give people an incentive to go back. Well, as I have been arguing Although lots of people in Washington don't listen, there, there is no such thing as a free lunch. So that means if you, if you do away with the sales tax for the summer, they estimate it's going to save $170 million, um, which is, uh, again, more, more money that can be spent at the bars and restaurants. Now, the flip side of that, though, is that's $170 million that isn't going to be going to mostly the, the state. About $160 million the state would lose out on, counties would lose out on $12.6 million. So, I mean, some people are saying, well, we, we, we can't do this. This is, I mean, my, my gosh, where, where is this money going to come from? Now, a lot of the people that are making that argument are the same people who don't think anything about the government spending all sorts of money on all sorts of different programs. But when it comes to... Well, let, let's let's have a sales tax thing to maybe encourage people to spend more money at bars or restaurants. That becomes an issue. Let's tee this up. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As we all know, we have been through a pandemic. We are still un, we are still dealing with the effects of the pandemic, although I think for large portions of the state there is light at the end of the tunnel. One of the industries that has been absolutely crippled by by the pandemic and by lots of government regulations and pandemic orders have been the the restaurant and the, the bar industry. I think for the summer, it would be a great thing to impose a sales tax moratorium to help these places that have been struggling get back on their feet. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and by the way, I mean, we're the, the, state's, the state's getting a ton of federal money as part of all this different stuff that's going on in Washington. So they've got a ton of money. I, I think maybe this is an example of where you can do something that's going to target industries that have been been particularly hard hit. I'm all in favor of the sales tax moratorium. What do you think? 855-616-1620. We discuss next. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, okay. What, what about the idea of Republicans recognizing that you have a, an industry in particular, the, the tavern, the restaurant and industry, which has just been absolutely decimated, first of all, by COVID, and then secondly, by government reactions to COVID, where we've had government rules saying you, you've got to close down. You know, we um, you can you can be open if you're a hardware store. You can be open if you're a big box retailer, but you can't be open if you're a restaurant or you can only do like the takeouts. And, and you've seen restaurants after restaurant after restaurant and bar after bar after bar fail. So the idea that was passed with bipartisan support was for the summer in the assembly, let, let's have let's have a sales tax moratorium and let's encourage people the effect of that. And they've done this before. You've done it with the back to school moratoriums as well. Here we're going to put a sales tax moratorium on to make it easier for people to again buy back to school stuff. In this case it's supporting the businesses. I'm all in favor of it. Um Jeff, I'm a part time bartender at a restaurant and I totally agree with you. I see the struggles they've been going through. I believe this will certainly help. All right. Um, at this point, why bother? Not that much remains to help. In, in other words, I think they're saying the industry's been so devastated. Why Why do we even bother? Well, I, I think because you want the industry to come back. And so if this is something that you can do, especially at a time where because the federal government is spending like drunken sailors, the federal government is spending all this COVID relief economic money to Wisconsin, okay, well, well maybe – Maybe this is something that you can say, okay, we're, we, we can help the bar, we can target, help the bars and restaurants by, again, imposing the sales tax moratorium, and then, you know, we can make up for the loss with all this federal dough that we're getting. Jeff, um, I am, let's see, um, Jeff, I'm all... I'm all for it. Um, first, it helps the hard-hit restaurant industry. Next, it helps waiters and waitresses get additional tips by having more clients. And last, it prom- pro- promotes people to finally get out of their house and start getting back to normal. I think it is a win-win situation for everyone, and that's not bringing up all the additional benefits to food and drink suppliers that have been hurt by supplying the restaurants. See, that's the other thing that's gotten lost in this discussion is we we think about the the bars and the restaurants and and how they've been hurt. But what about all the other industries that are out there, the people that that make their living by, you know, the the liquor distributors, by selling their liquor to the, the bars and restaurants or the food purveyors? Think about they've been hurt. We need to do, I think, everything we possibly can to to get people going back and and this is a small step jeff counties don't want to lose this because they will lose money um i don't know that it's necessary because people will go back because they're hungry for it and they don't need the moratorium well i get i understand why the counties don't want it government almost never wants to do anything that's going to generate fewer tax dollars but like i say we're getting all this federal relief from from the feds you know maybe Maybe this is something where you kind of reposition it. Maybe you can take some of that federal money and use it to help offset some of the stuff that we are doing, which is clearly going to help. Jeff, I don't think this is going to do anything to push people to go to bars or restaurants. Well, I kind of disagree with that. Let's talk to Marty in Wauwatosa. Hi, Marty. Yes, how are you doing? Good. What do you think? So that's just... Well, let's assume hypothetically I, I, I agree we have to do something for that industry, but quite frankly, I don't see – let's assume we have a total 6% sales tax to round it off. I don't see 
what people are going to do realizing that they're going to not have to spend the 6% sales tax. And my thinking is it's going to not end up with the bars and not end up with the waiters or waitresses. It's going to end up by people just simply having a lower bill. And I wish that I could think it would expand people's incentive to want to buy things, but I just I just don't see how that 6% is going to do it. Well, I mean, I guess I, I don't know. I, I think... I mean, I, I think any time people can can save money and like six percent on a on a hundred dollars is six bucks, you know, six percent on a fifty dollar tab is you know three bucks or whatever. I, I think that any time you can have that, I think again it's another encouragement that implies or motivates people to to go out. I mean, I think I you would be amazed at what people will do for three or four or five or six percent, and I, I just think. Given again where the industry is, it, it deserves some help, and I think this is a relatively painless way to accomplish it. Um, and maybe I'll turn out to be wrong, but I, I mean, my my idea would be why not? I mean, why not? When you give us options to pay less in taxes, I'm almost always going to be in favor of that. All right, when we come back, we'll find out what Melissa Barkley has on her mind for Wisconsin's afternoon news. Please stick around.